adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rated This Way, Calcio Podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Serie A and European soccer. My name is Michael D'Angelo. With us, as always, we have Paolo No Bologna Mangoni. Ba, ba, da, ba, ba. Welcome back, Marquesera. everyone. Marquesera. <laughs> what a duo. Uh, <laughs> Who, Paolo and Raffaele Cara? Of course. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, of course, uh, interjecting there is Mr. Chris Maselli. Welcome back, everybody. And as always, again, we have uh, Julian Paggio D'Angelo. How's everybody doing today? How is everybody doing today? Let's get some status updates here. Paolo, how are you doing? How are your, uh, how is your, your day today? Still, still buzzing. Still buzzing. Oh, Michael. still buzzing <laughs> from like drinks. You fucking drunk, <laughs> <laughs> Christian. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm like Paul is still buzzing. Oh, he's uh, right. yeah, buzzing. Julian is also buzzing. I mean, if that's the term we're going with, then yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> it's from the bourbon. No, but I mean, it's, it's exactly. <laughs> I think we're all fairly happy after today's game. So yes, yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Um, the, uh, opening song here, just again, just to wrap that up there, uh, from, uh, Rafael Cara, of course, who, um, uh, sadly is no longer with us, but, uh, you know, a nice, um, a nice sending off on, on, on the podcast. We will never play her song ever again. Forever. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Listen, Rumore will be a staple for our transfer rumor. Uh, all right that's segment fine. but it's not it doesn't even mean rumors it's just it's just noise yeah but that's what that's what the transfer rumors are it's just a bunch of noise that's fair i'll give you i'll give you that um okay well again sad to see her go uh but uh you know she'll forever be a part of our podcast how about that there we go there we go uh okay well let's uh let's get into it just so we can uh quickly recap what we saw in Italy's uh, matchup against Spain uh, in the semifinals of Euro 2020. Uh, so why don't we start first with the starting lineup for Italy? Any surprises, any, you know, uh, maybe bad moves from Mancini? What do we got? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Okay, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Just because like, I've, I've been saying, again, since the, the pre-tournament game, it's uh, it's Immobile, and again, he put up. I would say he was the worst player on the pitch for Italy, um, and I, not only am I surprised, I feel like Mancini would have some explaining to do if things didn't go Italy's way. So it's gotten to that point for me. Uh, again, there, there's nothing I'm seeing in Immobile's game that, for me, anyways, justifies him starting when. You have somebody like Bellotti who can, uh, again, he's not going to blow the game open for Italy. He's not going to take over, but he can do a decent job of holding up the ball, linking play, being that kind of target man that uh, the midfield three can refer to and the back line can refer to when they're under pressure. Uh, anyways, it's kind of that's been my recurring theme. That's my biggest knock on Mancini besides, um, you know, obviously they're, they're winning and they're playing great stuff for the majority of the time, but yeah, Immobile is for me. I've, I've had enough. Six <laughs> weeks ago, I had enough. <laughs> Paulo, did well, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to add that actually Mancini defended him um, 
uh, in the pregame conference. Um, so again, there's no surprise that he started. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, again, Emerson Palmieri uh, came in for uh, for Spinazzola for obvious reasons because because of his injury, uh, and in my opinion, didn't have a bad game. He was actually very solid for the amount of time that he was on the field. So uh, I was very pleased about that performance. And again, uh, Chiesa, uh, our, our, our listeners obviously know the result of the game, but Chiesa was, um, you know, definitely proved to be uh, that he should have a starting position in this team. Yeah, and uh, I mean, again, we should probably just straight up say what the starting 11 was. So, Paul, do you have it in front of you? Yeah, so it was uh, Insigne on the left, Immobile, Chiesa. And then it was, in the midfield was uh, Verratti, Barella, Jorginho, and, uh, Jorginho down the middle. Emerson, Palmier on the left, uh, Chiellini, Bonucci, uh, Di Lorenzo. And, of course, Gigio in the back. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, so I think outside of those things, again, we there were question marks, I think, from us and probably most fans watching about Immobile after last game. Uh, but to Paulo's point, I think there wasn't really a question from Mancini, apparently. Um, but uh, the rest of the lineup, I mean, Chiesa, like we said, is, has earned it, earned that spot. Do we think there was anyone else that was that should have been in from the start that wasn't? Uh, I'll 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 go quickly. I mean. <sighs> I know Chiellini's been getting, and same with Bonucci, they've been getting a lot of praise, and they're talking about you know their experience, and you know they're still world class and stuff like that. Uh, I think you know this game kind of not that their true colors came out, but maybe you, you could say that maybe. Um, but I, I won't spend too much time on them because I know they're going to play in the next game regardless. I think mm-hmm. the only other potential argument you could make is Florenzi for Emerson Palmieri. Now, I agree with Paulo. I thought Palmieri did have a, a decent enough performance. I mean, uh, nobody was going to expect him to live up to Spinazzola's level. Uh, but you could argue that maybe Florenzi would have offered a bit more going forward. But in a game where, you know, you knew your opponent was going to have mm-hmm. more possession, I think starting Emerson was the, was a good call. Yeah, fair. Paulo? Honestly, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about it, but there was really no obvious choices to who to put in right if you look at that midfield three like the that, that's Italy's first choice midfield three right there and you know just a quick aside uh I don't know if you guys uh read about that uh uh that that journalist from ESPN saying that Italy has uh no uh <laughs> world, world class. class midfielders I mean uh that guy should just like hang in head in shame today but anyway like so I just want to point that out there but again other than uh other than, as Chris said, Bellotti, there is no real clear-cut errors, in my opinion, that in that starting 11. Julian? Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think... I mean, I know I mentioned last episode, I wasn't sure if kids did enough, but I think with, obviously, his performance today, he solidified his role, um, his role starting in, for the next game, for sure. Um, I did think Berardi did well when he came on, um, but I... Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think they're going to change up the starting 11 for the next game. I think, yeah, I don't think there was any subs could have made. Okay, fair enough. And I mean, Italy was always going to have a little bit of a difficult um, matchup against Spain, I think, uh, just based on the quality of Spain as well. Uh, this tournament especially, I guess, they, they've just been getting better, as it looks like, as the tournament's gone on. But um, it's, uh, yeah, the... the Spain matched up pretty well, and, and it, it was looking like it was going to be a hard-fought battle, and it really was. So let's, I guess, start with uh, – we'll start with the beginning. So, I mean, the first Wait, half – yeah. Just sorry. before we get into it, uh, I just want yeah. to ask Chris, uh, what did you think of Luis Enrique's uh, change up top with starting with yeah, no with Murata, no, with no not starting. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a good change, and, and I kind of expected it. Um, I mean, he tried Morata. He tried uh, Gerard Moreno. Uh, he had both of them in there in one of the group games, and it didn't really work. He obviously wasn't happy with you know the attacking output from from that position. So, uh, and I actually like um, Oyarzabal. I think I pronounced it right. Uh, <laughs> I do like him as a player. So, 
I, I thought it was a smart change, and uh, I was expecting him to do something a little different tactically this game. So, uh, just a quick follow up because I was watching, um, I was watching Rye after the after the game, and he mentioned uh, Bonucci and, and Killian's performance against Lukaku that had an uh, had an effect on his decision making. So, how would having no false nine uh, give those two players, that is Killian and Bonucci, uh, problems? I think what he was referring to is that when there's, you know, a target forward, a center forward like Lukaku, uh, that Bonucci and Chiellini as a pair can, mm-hmm. more so Chiellini can can deal with the physicality, but as a pair, they're able to deal with players that kind of sit on the on the center backs and, and play that way. They have, you know, fantastic chemistry uh, in pretty good positioning. So I think he was referring to that. And so his thought was, well, instead of, uh, you know, I'm not going to play to Bonucci and Chiellini's strengths. I'm not going to give them that, that easy reference point. So you play with a false nine and hope that it uh, unbalances them a little bit. And I, and I think it did mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, uh, uh, Bonucci and Kalini were still okay, uh, but they weren't as effective as they had been, I think in previous matches. Yeah. And just to note on that, I mean, Bonucci after the game said it was probably the hardest match he's ever played. <laughs> and I think that's, I don't know if that, it's about not lining up properly against, you know, whatever changes Spain made, et cetera. But uh, it goes to show you, you know, a little bit of everything there. It's, is, are they still, you know, are, should they be getting the praise they've been getting because, you know, perhaps they've just been in uh, fortunate positions leading up to this game specifically. Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely, you know, uh, perhaps uh, fortuitous that uh, no more damage could have happened to that back that back line well and, and you say that michael it's so let's, let's get into the first half so to me the biggest chance of that first half was that uh danny uh almo uh stopped well shot and stopped from donnarumma and and that came from uh essentially uh, a giveaway from donnarumma uh, off a of clearance and uh, a pass in behind that midfield just in front of uh the the, the two center backs and they managed to get into the box uh, and it was a ricochet uh, off of, uh, I believe it was Killini and it was a, a pretty decent chance from, from Malmo. Yeah. And it was a great save by, by Gijo. Yeah. Uh, obviously to keep it zero zero at that point. So, so then uh, to Chris, so uh, this was obviously Spain's uh, game plan from the start was to split that midfield and isolate Bonucci Killini. Yeah, again, again, that comes back to, to playing with the false signs. It, it's a bit more unpredictable defensively. Again, when you have that target center four, there's your reference point as for the back line. Like, you know where mm-hmm. to find that one player. But again, the false nine kind of has that freedom to move wherever he wants. And that, that's the difficult part of trying to organize your back line. So I think it worked. And uh, I mean, uh, Verratti and Jorginho, as we know, like, I mean, they're not the, the best athletes. Um, so I think by Spain trying to make the field as big as possible and have Jorginho and Verratti cover as much space as possible and tire them out um, as the game wore on, you kind of saw the uh, the benefits for Spain anyways. As, as their, those legs got heavy, they couldn't cover as much ground from sideline to sideline and then more space opened up between the lines. So by having a false nine, does that add another quote-unquote midfield uh, for Spain, so it, essentially, Ily was outnumbered for what seventy-five minutes until Morata came on. Correct? Essentially, yeah. The, the false nine drops in. It's more of like an attacking midfielder, and then the the, the decision is always, uh, you know, does a center back follow the false nine into the midfield line, leaving space in the back, or does he the center back partner? But now, as you mentioned, they're overloaded in midfield, so that's a decision you're making in a with. It's a split second decision, and uh, it's, it's difficult to get it right most of the time. Michael? Yeah, great. Um, so uh, let's just wrap up the first half because, again, that kind of, uh, you know, you mentioned the the Danny Olmo chance and the Gijo save. And then later on, a little right before uh, I think the half comes to a conclusion, uh, Emerson actually has a, a great chance where he's, uh, you know, up that left flank, um, has a great run, and, and actually ends up, I think, clipping the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Um, on a on a shot. So, 
again, the first half ends 0-0, but uh, a couple of chances for each team. It seemed like in the first half, at least first five minutes, Italy really started uh, – they started – you know, positively in the first five minutes. But then after that, it was kind of all Spain. They, they just really, uh, they really put it to Italy. There was not much more. Um, I mean, they, they dominated possession. They dominated pretty much every metric. I think you want to look at. Yeah. Just one yeah, quickly. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was probably inside the first five minutes where uh, Italy kind of had a counterattack opportunity mm-hmm. off the left side with uh, Insigne and, but Ella kind of made, I feel yep. like now are one of his trademark runs from deep and uh, almost Insigne, scores. Hits the one almost scores. Yeah. Insigne was a bit too late playing him in. Uh, so it was great to see, but making that run because it, it obviously worked. But uh, I was curious just to kind of get Julian's thoughts on Barella in the first half. And uh, I mean, that, that run he made, he's probably seen him make it a thousand times an enter. <laughs> but yeah, what did you think of uh, him in the first half specifically, anyways? I mean, I would have liked to see a little bit more of those attacking runs, but it's also, I mean, Italy didn't really have too much going forward, whether it was in possession or even on counterattacks. Like, they honestly didn't have the ball a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the midfield overall, like, I thought I thought Barilla was okay. I actually thought it was probably one of his weaker performances this tournament. Um, but I think a lot of that credit actually goes to Spain, where they... Like you said, they with the false nine, they basically added another midfielder, and the three in the midfield just kind of seemed almost overran and overworked all game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and they just kind of seemed exhausted. No, that's a good point. And just to add to that, like you mentioned, the false nine. Olmo, I think, officially on the starting lineup anyways, he lined, he's lined up as a winger. But uh, I know with uh, Red Bull or RB Leipzig, uh, <laughs> he did play as a center midfielder at least quite a bit. Okay. So. Um, they're almost you know, playing with, with five midfielders at that point. So just to, to add to your point. And also, I, I think that, you know, goes to show how, um, devast- well, how, how important Italy's midfield is and that Luis Enrique actually had to change his tactics to adapt to, to Italy's strength, in my opinion. How world-class their midfield yes, is. Ex- <laughs> yes, good point, Michael. Um, so, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no finish your point. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to, to, to make, just make a comment. Uh, I know there was a few counterattacks that Italy had, and uh, Spain was end up, ended up fouling them. So, and, the, and there was no yellow cards. And, and in my opinion, there was a one, uh, actually two Emerson Palmieri breaks that, that should have been uh, either a foul or a ye- yellow card. So uh, we were talking about how there was really nothing going forward. I mean, that's mostly due to the fact that A, either uh, – you know, Spain did a decent job in the first half of defending or the fact that the referee uh, made a couple of mistakes in the first half. Yeah. What I, what I did like about, uh, what was his name? Felix. Uh, Felix. 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 Yeah. What I did like about his, his uh, game today is that he, um, he was fair. I found that he wasn't necessarily, calling it one way i think he was just being very stern with what he was calling right so it was it was very balanced and he wasn't letting uh he wasn't letting the show kind of out uh i don't know make a you know make him make yeah, some hard he was decisions them, he was letting the game go almost like there was yeah. a few even i noticed a few dives on both teams where they're trying to get calls and he would just tell them to get up and play on and 100 percent. and you saw oftentimes he probably waited maybe a good at least a second after you know a foul happens or whatever and he's kind of looking for reactions he's looking at at the players and he's taking the time to actually properly judge whether or not the foul was a foul and then he's and then he's blowing it dead which you know looks like it's taking a little more time but i think oftentimes he got those calls right because you know at the end of the day uh, you know, Busquets might have flopped one or two times, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, uh, again, it was just... You gave the ref a little peek? Yes, right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Busquets, so he had, uh, he had some chances this game. He was very annoying all game. I wanted to punch him in the face, uh, and, I mean, <laughs> that's just maybe his game, his style, but uh, he had a chance that went just over the bar, um, and then not too long after that, the ball uh, jumps forward. Uh, Chiram Immobile uh, <laughs> ends up 
kind of setting it up for Chiesa a little bit or just by being virtue of receiving the ball from, from the back. Uh, and Chiesa with a beautiful finish um, just from, he, I guess he's uh, inside the box. He kind of does Paulo's uh, infamous tira gira. <laughs> tira gira. <laughs> tira gira. And uh, yeah, and it's, you know, a beautiful goal a la Insigne. Uh, not quite as Insigne uh, as it was last game for obviously Insigne, but it was a beautiful strike. Uh, and again, just kind of curling inside the far post. And that was uh, just a point. That was, that was pretty much the only thing that Immobile did. <laughs> yeah, if you, to, if you have to pick out one thing, yeah, that's the exactly. Only one. Yeah. That's the that's the only thing that he did. And uh, I guess the to point too, because Chiesa was you know technically the right winger and, and Insigne the left winger. So that was one of the very few times, anyways, I noticed where Chiesa actually ended up on the left. Uh, mm-hmm. And we obviously just spoke about what the result was from that. Um, so I almost kind of wonder if they could have incorporated more of that, more of rotation uh, with Chiesa moving on to the left and maybe Insigne moving to the right. Uh, we both know that, mm-hmm. you know, Insigne is more productive on the left and Chiesa on the right. But um, if, if it causes confusion to the back line, why not try and, and mix it up a bit more? Well, for sure. And I think this, this goal specifically was a product of just, uh, you know, having some men forward and, and just a quick counterattack, right? Because it, it was actually Gijo, I think, who had the ball in the box originally, and then he kind of throws it forward. It kind of gets up to Chiro, and then this happens. So it's just the, 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 other, the two men forward there, they're making, you know, they're making something happen. I think Insigne ends up, was on the left side anyways, but you're right. He kind of, Keza came in, and, and that's where he shoots from. Um, but what I want to say specifically is that even after this, so again, they, they score, it's one nothing, And uh, I just want to note that Immobile comes off shortly after this for Berardi, I think, is, is who comes on. Yes. And just immediately, you, I'm not sure if it's the goal that, had the, that gave them the confidence, but we were seeing things after this goal. We were seeing things from Italy that we hadn't seen all game, uh, specifically, I think, some attacking prowess, which, again you would think that uh, this squad specifically during this tournament has showed in, you know, in spades, but was, was lacking for sure in the first 45 minutes. And I think that's obviously, I think we can all agree that Immobile coming off kind of sparked that. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, do we want to discuss the uh, subs in midfield um, as well? Yeah, well, we should for sure, because I think it definitely played a part on, the rest of the game. Uh, but do we want to, does anybody want to speak on, you know, any of that first before we move on? Um, I, I, go, no, Julian, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say quickly, the goal, I think we should mention it was largely against the run of play. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. Almost kind of came from nowhere. Like you said, it was just a quick counter. Uh, and I just want to say that Insignia was the one who tried to play in Chiro originally. And that pass was actually phenomenal because he stretched the two defenders. Um, and one of them had to step up on Immobile to try and win it, which was why Chiesa was kind of one-on-one with the other defender. Right. And uh, what I would just add with regards to, <clears throat> excuse me, Berardi coming on, I, I agree, Mike, there was kind of a, just like a different mentality, whether it was confidence from the goal, we don't know. But I, I think one thing to consider too is that uh, Berardi comes on, uh, now it's a false nine for Italy as well. So similar to how you know Bonucci and Chiellini found it difficult not having that center forward to refer to all the time. Mm-hmm. I think there was that adjustment period for uh, Garcia and Laporte to go, okay, we're, we're just so used to having Immobile kind of between them. Now, all of a sudden, you have Berardi dropping in, moving wide. So uh, that adjustment period as well, I think Italy almost were able to take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Paulo, let's, uh, yeah. let's talk about your subs here because then that's basically... Italy get the one nothing lead uh, and, you know, they're looking to kind of just settle the game down and make sure that they, they kind of get a, a stranglehold on the rest of the game. So go ahead. So, yeah, it was uh, Piscina for Verratti and then it was Toloi for uh, Emerson Palmieri. I mean, I, I get it. It was about, what, 25 minutes left in normal time. Um, so I, I understand the mentality, especially with Emerson Palmieri not playing a full game. So I do understand uh, him coming off. What I don't understand was Toloi. Uh, like, 
minutes after he came on, I think he picked up a yellow card by uh, he, he pretty much laid out uh, Omo. So well, that was, was that was an extra time. That was an extra time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, there you go. But, uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm quite up. Anyway, he still he picked up. When was the first thing that it, it was a foul? So, <laughs> and he and he and he got beat as well. So he's playing on his on his off wing, but I I believe Di Lorenzo swapped, so uh, he moved to right back as well. Uh, so I mean, it was it wasn't. It, it, could it be argued that it was too early to you know kind of close up shop and and play and defend that one nothing lead? Julian, what do you think? Yeah. I hate it's one of my biggest things. I hate when teams sit back and try and defend a lead for twenty, thirty minutes. I think it I've just seen it not work way too many times. You're just inviting pressure, inviting pressure, inviting pressure, and the other team slowly builds momentum. Um so yeah, I do agree with Toloy. I don't think he should have been the one to come on. I think you either bring on Florenzi, who's basically a one for one sub, or you I mean, I'm probably a little biased, but I think you could also try Bastoni at left back because he is a left-footed center back, right? So it might work. I don't know if he's ever really played on the wing there, though, so maybe not. Um, midfield subs. To be honest, today I wasn't a huge fan of the Piscina sub. I think he's good, as I mentioned before, when you need a goal. Um, but when they were trying to hang on to the game, I actually think maybe like uh, Cristante might have actually been better. Chris, what do you think? Uh, regarding Toloy, yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> I thought it was early to kind of go that much more defensive than they were. And to be honest, I thought with Toloy coming on, it was going to become a back five, like a, a five mm-hmm. three two. So I wasn't expecting Emerson to come off. So that was that was more of a surprise to me. Uh, for Piscina, for Verratti. I I see Julian where you're coming from with with Cristante coming on being a bit more defensive. I think, and this is just kind of uh, me putting you know putting it together. I think Mancini was looking for a bit more mobility in midfield. So again, I mentioned before, uh, Verratti and Jorginho aren't the most athletic. I kind of put Cristante in that same category. Whereas if I think Piscina is you know much better at getting around the pitch and covering more ground, so I think that might have been what he was looking at more so than, you know, putting on an attacking or defending midfielder. Yeah. That makes sense. And the Locatelli sub, uh, I, th- I thought made sense. Good timing for that as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 So it just to, uh, before that, so obviously we were talking Italy's subs here, but uh, prior to that, Murata comes on as well for Ferran Torres. Um, they make a couple other subs here, uh, but effectively, you know, Spain are kind of refreshed and attack as well. Um, obviously down a goal, right? So Murata's coming on. They're uh, Italy are kind of making some some subs and looking towards, you know, holding uh, for, you know, holding off a one nothing, you know, lead, I guess. Uh, but in the 80th, Murata ends up breaking uh, through the defense after, you know, a very nice, nice play from the buildup uh, again, Murata finishes it off. Um, I think it was, I think it was Danny Olmo who ends up passing it into him. And uh, again, it's just, just like that, that one, nothing lead is gone and it's uh, it's one, one and it's tied again. Uh, and that, again, we talked about how Italy scored against the run of play like this. Definitely Spain had it coming for sure, because all game they were just, they were very, um, they they had for sure the most chances, the best chances by far. So I, I just want to point out that um, this was only the second time that Spain got in behind Italy. Uh, that you know that was uh, um, not offside, and they they you know it, it's a Spain team. They they just need one chance to mm-hmm. to, to, fin- to finish it off, right? And, and they did. So I mean I, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. Well, of course I was disappointed, but I wasn't nervous at the fact that they tied it up. So like uh, I was I was telling a, a bunch of people who were texting me saying, if you would have told me that you know one one going into the 90th minute uh, versus Spain, I'll take that. You know, like uh, it wasn't the end of the world for me because I, I knew that uh, anything could happen later on in the game. But it goes to show that what we're discussing uh, last episode was you keep 
Spain, uh, you keep Spain uh, uh, in front of the uh, front of the two line, the two uh, lines of four. Allow them to pass the ball left and right. Uh, you know, by the end of ninety minutes, they had uh, like over six hundred passes or something like that, something ridiculous. Uh, by the end of the game, they had seventy percent possession. But what did they do with that possession? They had mm-hmm. one clear or two clear chances on net. So when when people say, "Oh well, they dominated the game," Italy, uh, you know, uh, uh, deserved to lose. Well, what, again, what did they do with that? Yeah, I mean, what uh, what I would say they did with it is, I think they ran. Uh, I mean, we talked about it, but they ran Italy's midfield into the ground, and Barella had to come off. Barella was not having a great game because he, uh, for sure. I mean, again, he comes off. I think it was the eighty fifth. So after the goal, anyways, to make it one one, but. Uh, I understand what, you, what you're saying, Paulo, but I, I think it's not for. I, it was definitely a game plan, obviously, for Spain to do that to to run down that midfield, and they they successfully did that because Italy wasn't able to play their game, which they which we've seen over the first whatever six or whatever games, seven games, uh, six games, I guess, this, at this point, um, in the in this specific tournament. Yeah, and it's. It's similar kind of to what they did against Croatia because I feel like Croatia also has fantastic midfield with no striker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Croatia, the whole tournament, had no hold-up play, right? And it was the same with Italy. The midfield gets the ball and they try and move forward. But if the striker can't hold up the ball and wait for support, then right. defenders just get the ball and Spain restarts. And that's yeah, exactly. kind of what it seemed. It was just... Every time Italy would get the ball, they'd knock it forward, and then Spain would get it with their center box and restart. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, again, I, I kind of alluded to, but we've talked about it before. Uh, Locatelli just came on for Barella. Um, Bellotti comes on for Insigne. Uh, the match ends, uh, or the 90 minutes, rather, and, and it's 1-1 draw, so of course we're going extra time. Uh, and this, you know... I think a lot of people were probably thinking this thing was going to penalties anyways. And it does. <laughs> well, there, there was in the extra time, there was like some, there was definitely some chances. There's definitely some more tired bodies and, and keys comes off injured and, in, you know, the beginning of, or yeah, the end of the first extra time. Um, and uh, Bern- favorite player came yeah, on. Bernard, <laughs> Bernard, he comes in well, to risk the play. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I just want to talk about uh, Bellotti here because I, I, you know, we were talking about it early up on the show. As soon as he came on, they were actually winning possession. He was he was winning the ball. He was winning headers. He was knocking down the ball and and trying to to to, to set up plays in in Spain's half, which was desperately needed all game because of the amount of possession that Spain had. So what to Chris's point from earlier, I I still don't understand how he's not starting games. The team was completely different. As soon as he came on, there was just this extra wind that Italy had that took into um, the the second extra time period. And, you know, they, they definitely created chances. So it, it, I don't know what else Mancini has to see to give Bellotti a chance. Yeah. Sadly, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. In, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. I just feel like I, I agree. I understand what both of you guys are saying. Like, uh, Chris, I understand your points, and Paulo, I understand you bringing this up again. But I don't know that Bellotti for me has done enough because I, I understand that it's it's Immobile's position to lose for sure, and he hasn't really done much. But he clearly, I mean, over the past couple of seasons, has shown that he is he is that the player that you would want up front there over Bellotti. So. I understand their abilities. I just don't know that it's that easy to shake him from that position just because he's been having three or four games here where he has done shit all. I, I would do it. I understand, and I would do that, but I can see why people who are getting paid to um, to run this team won't do that. Well, there you go. So now it's 1-1 after extra time, Michael. Yeah, so now we, uh, of course, go to penalties uh, and... I mean, I'm not sure about you guys, but I, I was from, from kickoff, I had just this sinking feeling that, uh, you know, just the, the national anthems, the way they were going, I said, this is not <laughs> going to be a good game. It's going to be, well, not, not a good game. It's not going to be a easy game. 
Um, and it wasn't. Uh, and I mean, again, we're going to penalties now. So my heart again is, is just in the, what is it? The, what do they say? The back of your throat, your, uh, yeah. nerves are just, are just in, there. So in your ass, in my ass, <laughs> in my ass. <laughs> oh no, we're going to have a cancel Michael campaign soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Italy win the coin flip, I believe. I see Giorgio uh, pretty uh, a- a- animated uh, saying heads, and I think he wins heads, and I guess he gets to choose that he goes first. Uh, so Italy choose to go first. And, of course, uh, yeah, what uh, you would suspect that it's because they, they want to, based on that article I read this morning, uh, Italy want to, basically have all the pressure on Spain because that's uh, what the article said is that basically penalties is all really just a buildup of pressure uh, and those who can't handle it, fuck up. <laughs> well, uh, there, uh, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think uh, Gerard Piquet tweeted out after, after the game saying that um, those who shoot first have a statistical advantage they do. Uh, in, 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 in the penalty shootouts. Yeah. Cause you're essentially, you're you're dictating the uh, you know where the way it's going to go more or less like you score they have to score yeah if, if you miss your first one and they miss like you're you, you still kind of you still, get to yeah. set the pace so to speak uh i don't i don't know what the margins are but yeah i think uh, that information's been out there for a while about uh, shooting first and having an advantage uh, the, also just while we're on the topic uh, there was maybe it was the same thread that you uh, mm-hmm. read mike but uh it was a stat that said that younger players actually statistically score more, more often. Yes. Yeah. And that, that caught me by surprise. Like, like most things I thought, you know, the more experienced you are, um, the better you, you might be at something. But uh, it was interesting to see that stat that younger so, players score more. And superstars miss more. Yes. And yeah. um, there was also something in that thread. Maybe we can retweet it if I can find it yes. for you guys. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it also spoke about how, um, the longer players take mm-hmm. or the amount of time players take to shoot from when the referee's whistle goes. Uh, there's also been st- uh, stats tracked on the success of, uh, you know, whether you shoot quickly, do you delay, uh, things like that. Yeah, and it was, so I think uh, what this was that they, they'd actually tracked or, or checked stats basically and actually pulled lots of ex-players, et cetera, uh, from I think tournaments going back like decades couple you know a couple decades like euro euros and world cups as well so it's it's very interesting so for sure of course if we can find it we'll, we'll post it yeah um anyways you mentioned you know if you if you miss the first one and you know the other team misses the second one or their first one then you're kind of in a better position well what happens is locatelli misses his first one uh it's saved and then uh daniel almost skies uh his yeah if i recall yeah. correctly yeah uh, so it's uh, nil nil after one each. Um, who wants to take the next one? I think the next one is Bellotti. Oh, that was just an outstanding, outstanding. Oh, panel. of course you would think that. <laughs> oh, but look at it. He he. Um, uh, Unai Simon dove the same way that Bellotti shot it, but it was uh, the difference between him, his, and Locatelli's was that Locatelli's was not as angled as much as uh, Bellotti was. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the difference is that uh, there was, it was just much more accurate than Bellotti's PK. You mean Locatelli's PK? Yes. Excuse me. I mean, I, I don't think Locatelli's was inaccurate. I, I think the placement was decent. Uh, I would just say that Bellotti hit it with so much more pace that mm-hmm. uh, Unai Simon couldn't get to it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Logatelli had a, a bad PK. It just uh, didn't put enough uh, juice on it. So next up, Bellotti scores. Gerard, not the English Gerard. Gerard, not Gerard. <laughs> Gerard Moreno uh, scores as well. So it's tied after two shooters each. And of course, next up is the king, Leo Bonucci. Oh dear God! <laughs> uh, who has a great penalty? He scores it, and it wins. <laughs> and Italy are in the lead again. Um, and then Tiago Alcantara, who came on, I think, in extra time, or maybe, no, possibly yeah, before it was, then. It was, an extra was it extra time? time? It was extra yeah. time. Yeah, 
yeah, who came on extra time, scores as well. So it's tied after three shooters. I laughed at his. His made me laugh. He just literally made it look so easy. Yeah, 100%. Literally like up, no run-up, just, just boom, put the boom. ball down. That's yeah. it. That's it, exactly. Uh, and, of course, next up, uh, the other star man of the team, uh, Paulo's favorite, yeah. uh, Bernadeschi, <laughs> comes up to shoot. I actually, I have to admit, I couldn't it was watch this. Nice no, I couldn't watch this. <laughs> No, I, I, <laughs> I went upstairs because I had to. I had to go get something, and I said, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna purposely not watch Bernadeschi shoot because I just couldn't stand whether or not, or I couldn't understand. I, I couldn't put myself in that position. Uh, but he scored. It was a nice penalty. As well. yeah, it was a nice penalty. Yeah. So what happened? Just so I know, um, I won't, I won't go searching for it. Top right but, corner. Yeah, top right yeah. corner, and just, just above Unai Simon as well. Yeah, so I, I was about to say when he's I good at, when at I penalties. So I mean, uh, that's one part of his game, I guess, that hasn't changed, even though he hasn't played in all this time. But I credit to him; he had a very few touches, and you know, uh, again, uh, Luca Toni on the post game show gave him credit as well, saying that you know, someone who just came on and to take mm-hmm. a penalty of that of that quality deserves to be complimented. Right. It's the hair. He's he's looking good these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, against so that's four shooters for Italy. It's uh, next up is Alvaro Morata for Spain, and he decides he's going to go. Uh, I think to the right, and Gijo sees it the whole time, and he swallows that up, and Morata has missed his penalty. So now Italy with uh, a goal from Jorginho. Could seal the win. Did anybody think he was gonna miss? No, no. I don't think I was anybody celebrating with the dog when I was walking <laughs> up. And you know what? He walked up. It was just so calm, cool, collected. Like you mentioned uh, Tiago Alcantara. Yeah. He was the same thing. Jorginho just walks up, puts it down, slots it home. I could I could tell you what make the ball was as it was rolling into the into the net. <laughs> it's how slow the shot was, um, but. Yeah, yeah, he just calmly directs it in, and he and he goes the other way, and Italy's all screaming because they won. They won the game on penalties, four two on penalties, uh, and Italy are going to the Euro twenty twenty finals. So, Could, well, just I want to say yeah. first, what is this? What we all expected? I know Julian didn't for sure. No, I definitely did not. Chris Paulo, I mean, I I thought they would have a strong tournament for sure. I just didn't. I don't know if I expected this. Uh, no, remember what I said in the, in the in the pre-tournament show was if Italy gets to the semifinals, anything can happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, uh, that and that and that's what I said. I said as long as Italy makes it to the semifinals, there's a good chance that you know we could win. It's a you know one in four chance. And and here we are. We're just one step away from uh, a potential second European Championship. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the one bracket I actually filled out, I did have <laughs> Italy winning. Now, I didn't have them beating England or Denmark in a final, but yeah. I did have them winning. And uh, But realistically, I would have always been happy with uh, getting to the semifinals. And obviously, they've, they've done more than that. So, at this point, they've, they've exceeded my expectations. And, uh, yeah, I mean, here we go. As yeah. our, our friend uh, Fabrizio Romano says. That's right. Here we go. Friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wanted to point out, you know, for all of Spain's uh, pressure and all of Spain's possession, uh, the two players that had an impact on this game, uh, positively, for Spain, both for Spain that is, yeah, both, both Mister Penalty shots, yeah, yeah. I knew you were gonna say that, you jerk. <laughs> so I mean, the, it, it goes to show, like, for all you do in, in normal time, if it, it could all change with uh, two kicks of a. Uh, from from twelve yards out, you and, know? and you could end up losing because a, a pleb like Bernardeski <laughs> scored on you in the shootout. <laughs> yeah, and there's another stat I saw too. Uh, this is one of like only five times that a team who missed their first penalty shot or penalty kick uh, goes on to win, um, you know, goes on to win the, the the penalty shootout. And uh, guess which one? Uh, there is another Italy. Uh, in uh, a game in, uh, as well, and guess w- which game was that? That they wait. Sorry, rephrase that because I didn't understand anything. So, uh, <laughs> there was a, um, 
So Italy missed their first penalty shot okay. uh, in a penalty shootout. And won. And won. Guess okay. which one was that? Was um, it 06? I saw the tweet, so I won't say it. Okay. It was 06. No. It was Give me a second guess. Okay, the one with Joe Hart. Oh, oh the, was it the Euro? 2012? Yeah, so yeah. Montalivo actually missed the, uh, the, the first the first Gee. PK. <laughs> and and it goes it goes to show with another you know uh, Pirlo who you know, essentially brought down Joe Hart a couple of pegs, the uh, <laughs> same type of uh, composure from Jorginho as well. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, I mean, that's I, I, that. I, I, listen, I, I've been I've been <laughs> speechless. You know, yeah, I'll leave I mean, after this. I mean, I have some key, key some key stats here, just so if we're if we're not all speechless, at least I can wrap up some yeah. things here. <laughs> so Italy are in their fourth Euro final. The only one to have more is Germany with six. Um, yeah, both teams were in a record sixth Euro shootout. It was Italy's third success. Um, what else here we got? Da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, I mean, we should just also mention... Do we say that Kiza had the man of the match? Yes. But no, I don't think uh, we did. No, I don't think we did. Not yeah, yet, no. I'm not sure. But again, it's uh, he was a man of the match, so gr- good for him. I believe that was his second. Um, I think we talked about that before. I think it was his second. Yes. Uh, but uh, Forza Chiesa. Um, so Bonucci and Chiellini are into their second Euro final after 2012. Um what's another good one here I'm just uh, picking and choosing some good ones um... <laughs> Italy are the second side after France in 2000 to have five different players score two or more goals at a single Euro so Chiesa, Pessina, Insigne, Mobile and Locatelli so that's good that's a impressive stat there yeah, yeah. Um... and you know considering that in 06 that the only Two uh two goal score or double goal score was Luca Toni. Mm-hmm. There you so. go. Italy's record run of Euro wins. So uh, we know this is this is a thing. There, uh, it's so they, it doesn't include penalty shootouts. So it ends at fifteen, unfortunately. Um, but their unbeaten streak goes on to thirty three games. So technically, it, the game ended in a tie with a penalty shootout with a win. So. Unfortunately, that that 15 games in a row is over, but they can still win a tournament, which is great. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think that's uh, that's it for for my good key stats. Well, yeah, Paulo, I'll send this to you, and you can if you want to include some there. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, uh, maybe I'll, some I'll maybe some bad ones for Spain too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, good. God. Anyway, I, I, this feels like it, it kind of not washes away 2012, but, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more bearable. <laughs> Twen- like losing to Spain in 2012? Yeah. 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 I, again, I think I just want to talk about, like, the differences between, now that we know they're going to the final, the difference in both tournaments is just, like, so stark. Because 2012 was literally just such a Cinderella run. It was, you know, Conte. No, it wasn't Conte. Who was Prindelli? Prindelli, uh, and they, again, I don't, I don't think anybody was expecting much from that. But they just they found ways. You know, we we know we know about the tournament Cassano and Balotelli had, um, but it was just you know it was a fun thing to be a part of. But I don't think there was any more structure than just like chance. And now this tournament for sure, it has seemed like it's been Italy's uh, not, not to lose, but Italy for sure has just come out on the front foot and were very just, uh, even I don't want to say dominant, but they were just very aggressive. They're more organized. A hundred percent organized, a hundred percent more organized. And that's it. I think it was just, it was uh, a, a desire, or I'm not sure what it was. It, it just it, it came out, um, it came out at the right time for this team, and and they're they're showing the world, hopefully, uh, at least Europe, <laughs> that uh, it, Italy, the Italian national team, is kind of back on the map in terms of um, b- 
being able to be a force in tournaments for sure. And hopefully, again, this means, uh, hopefully it bodes well, I should say, for uh, the Italian league itself because a lot of these players obviously play their, their, uh, their club careers with uh, the Italian domestic league. Um, okay. Michael, yeah, I, sorry, think that's a, I think that was a great point to, to wrap up the episode. Yeah, so why don't we? Let's, uh, we'll be back, obviously, with the final coming up. We don't know if it's going to be Denmark or England at this point. Uh, are we going to take bets here or just guesses as to no, who we just... think they li- line up against? I think, I think look, Chris, England. England? I think Chris, England. You, you said Denmark, uh, right? I, I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to say anything because every time I, <laughs> I, I bet against said country, they win. So I'm just yeah. not going to say anything. It's like that Scottish play when you, do, when you say the title of the, <laughs> of the play, Bad Luck Happens. Bad Luck so, yeah. Happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Yeah, no. <laughs> just says it. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not saying anything either because again, I'm with Chris. I, I want this said team to lose as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's going to be either way. It's going to be a fun final on Sunday. So let's uh, let's hope for the best. Let's hope that you know, even if said team does make it, that Italy just fucking spanks them because that would be just so glorious. But uh, we'll see. Well, it's all to be played for on Sunday. Hopefully, um, there's not too much, uh, I guess, any sort of injuries. If let's let's hope that everyone who can play um, is fully fit, and we have the players that we need to, and maybe someone on England breaks a leg or something. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well. Again, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Then we'll see, or you'll hear us next time on uh, following the final of Euro 2020. Uh, I just want to say how excited I am that uh, you know we decided to do this kind of on a whim, saying hey, we should do the Euro tournament um, and just kind of do post games. But it's been it's been a lot of fun, uh, and it's it's so nice that again we've we've been able to kind of extend. Um, the amount of you know podcasts that we can kind of put out over the course of a month or whatever a week etc uh and this actually happens to be our 50th podcast so forza forza us um thank you to the italian national team for letting us do this uh uh, because it's it's (laughs) it's for sure sponsored by them um but uh again it's it's just nice to uh be talking about uh i i feel a good energy about specifically about this tournament and, and how we've been able to kind of cover it and et cetera. So again, thanks everybody for, for even listening and, and wanting us to do this. Uh, but with that, why don't we we'll wrap it up. We'll see you on Sunday and uh, have a great week leading up to Sunday. Bye.